Welcome back to Air Scare Stories. Today we'll be taking a look at the crash of Turkish Airlines Flight 981, which was so bad that it was considered the deadliest plane crash in aviation history until the Tenerife disaster of 1977, which we covered just a few weeks ago. If you haven't seen our video on the Tenerife disaster, you might want to check it out after this one. Link in the description. After being dethroned as the worst plane crash in history by the Tenerife accident, it still remained the deadliest single aircraft accident until 1985 when the crash of Japan Airlines Flight 123 took that title. We'll actually be covering that story in the next video, so make sure to subscribe and press the notification bell so you can be notified when it comes out. It was also the deadliest single aircraft accident without any survivors until the Charki Daudry mid-air collision on November 12, 1996. I'll probably be covering that one soon too. You're welcome. Even after all that, Turkish Airlines Flight 981 is still considered the deadliest aviation accident with no survivors, the fifth deadliest aviation accident of all time, surpassing even the events of 9-11, yes you heard that right, the deadliest aviation accident to ever occur in France, the first accident involving a McDonnell Douglas DC-10 where there were fatalities, the deadliest accident involving a DC-10, and the deadliest aviation accident that didn't involve a Boeing 747. So what exactly happened? How many people died? Could it have been avoided? And who's to blame? Let's delve right into it. Turkish Airlines Flight 981 was a scheduled flight traveling from Istanbul to London's Heathrow Airport with an intermediate stop at Orly Airport in Paris, France. The aircraft was a McDonnell Douglas DC-10 configured with 12 first-class seats and 333 economy seats, making a total capacity of 345 passenger seats. The plane arrived in Paris carrying 167 passengers, which was roughly half of its total capacity, and 11 crew members. Out of this number, 50 disembarked in Paris, leaving the plane pretty severely underbooked. But that would soon change, as there was chaos brewing at Orly Airport. The employees of British European Airways had embarked on a general strike, which had left many London-bound travelers stranded at the airport. Remember though, Flight 981 was already headed to London, which presented it with the opportunity to pick up many of the stranded travelers, 215 to be exact. Although the departure time was slightly delayed because of this, by 12.32 p.m. they were rolling down the runway and lifting off into the sky. Unfortunately though, this flight would be a very brief and tragic one, as it would only last until 12.41 p.m., about nine minutes. The first few minutes were nothing out of the ordinary. The plane hoped to reach an altitude of 23,000 feet as it began its ascent from Orly. But just as it was climbing through 12,000 feet, there was a deafening explosion on board. The explosion was caused by the rear cargo door suddenly crashing open and causing an explosive decompression that ripped a hole in the side of the fuselage all the way at the rear of the plane. This caused the floor of the passenger compartment in that area to suddenly buckle and collapse. A small section of the floor broke away and it was blown out of the hole in the side of the airplane. Unfortunately, that section of the floor still had six occupied passenger seats attached to it, and they too were blown out of the aircraft. It's not something most people could even begin to imagine, but it happened, like something right out of a horror movie. While the passengers were experiencing shock and panic about the sudden tornado-like conditions in the cabin and the appearance of a giant hole and the loss of fellow passengers through it, the crew in the cockpit were unaware of all that, and were just trying to comprehend what had happened to their airplane. They found themselves suddenly unable to control or steer it. In just a matter of seconds, the plane began to nosedive, and all attempts to get it under control by the pilots proved to be in vain. Aside from the six passengers and part of the rear fuselage that were gone, the primary as well as both sets of secondary backup control cables that ran underneath the section of the floor that was blown out were gone as well. 
Without these, the crew would have had no way to control the plane's rudder, elevators, or the number two engine, the one in the back in the middle. After another few seconds, what was happening to the plane became pretty obvious to the cockpit crew. We know this for sure because the chaos and confusion caused one of the crew members to accidentally press the mic button, sending out a disordered radio transmission that was picked up by air traffic controllers. They could hear the pilot and co-pilot speaking in Turkish, saying things like, the fuselage has burst. Overspeed warnings could also be heard over the radio, indicating that the plane might break up in mid-air due to the excessive rate at which it was dropping. Captain Burkos was heard shouting speed, after which he pushed the throttles forward in an attempt to level off the falling plane. But just 77 seconds after the cargo door gave way, the plane crashed into the trees of Erminonville Forest, just outside of Paris. It was estimated that the plane had been traveling at a speed of almost 500 miles per hour when it hit the ground. There were no survivors and only a few small post-crash fires at the impact site. This is because there was literally almost nothing of the plane left intact to burn. The plane was so fragmented that it was difficult for investigators to determine if some of its parts had separated before it crashed or because of the crash. The section of the cabin floor and passenger seats that were ejected is the only exception though. It landed in a turnip field about nine miles from where the plane's wreckage was found with the bodies of the six passengers still strapped into their seats. The air traffic controller later stated that just after the explosion, he'd seen a second echo on his radar that remained stationary behind the airplane. It's thought that this was probably the remains of the rear cargo door falling to the earth. Of the 346 passengers and crew members on board, only the remains of 188 of them could be identified. Rescue teams at the accident site would eventually recover over 20,000 fragments of body parts in all. While the cabin doors on most passenger planes, including the DC-10, are inward opening plug doors that are designed to prevent opening while the passenger cabin is pressurized. But the same wasn't true of its cargo hatch, which due to its large size, couldn't be designed to open inward into the fuselage without taking up cargo space, which is very valuable on airplanes. To avoid losing the space that would have been taken up by an inward opening cargo hatch, the hatch was designed to open outward instead. Of course, this presented the potential risk of the hatch being blown open by the pressure inside the cargo area if its latches were to ever fail during a flight. To combat this, a latching system was adopted that consisted of four C-shaped latches mounted on a common torque shaft that are rotated over latching pins which are fixed to the fuselage. This system was designed in such a way that when the latches were in the correct position, they'd be able to withstand the pressure inside the cargo compartment and keep the hatch securely closed. To ensure that these C-shaped latches were in the proper position and that the cargo door was securely latched, there were a set of small locking pins that slid into place which would prevent the latches from moving. These pins would be pushed into place by a handle on the outside of the hatch. Many safety systems had been designed and implemented which would alert the crew both in the cockpit and on the ground if a cargo door wasn't correctly secured. For one, the locking pins would be unable to slide into their proper place and the door handle would remain open and visible, sticking out the side of the airplane to indicate that there was a problem securing the door. The open handle would also open an air vent in the hatch, which would prevent the fuselage from being pressurized, thus eliminating any dangerous buildup of pressure on the hatch, which might cause it to suddenly blow open. The locking pin mechanism also controlled a light in the cockpit, which would remain lit until the cargo door was properly secured. 
Unfortunately, however, this design wasn't perfect, and it had been previously discovered that if excessive force were used, the cargo door handle could be forced closed, even if the locking pins weren't in the right place. Furthermore, this would disable all of the other safety systems we just discussed, so that no one inside or outside the plane would know the door was improperly latched until it was too late. Two years before this crash, in June of 1972, the rear cargo door of a DC-10 operated by American Airlines' Flight 96 blew open and broke off of the plane mid-flight, just like on Turkish Airlines Flight 981. However, although some of the control cables were severed, enough of them remained to allow the pilots of American Flight 96 to make a safe emergency landing and no lives were lost. By the time Turkish Airlines took delivery of the DC-10 that would be involved in the Flight 981 crash, McDonnell Douglas had already issued a service bulletin outlining the required upgrades to the cargo hatch locking mechanism. In addition to this, the construction record for this particular aircraft showed that these upgrades had been implemented prior to delivery, so Turkish Airlines had no reason to doubt that their airplane was safe. However, during the investigation into the crash of Flight 981, it was discovered that the upgrades had actually not been made. It's not known whether the logs were purposely falsified or if it was just a tragic oversight. In addition, it was also discovered that an improper adjustment to the locking pin mechanism had later been made, which allowed the cargo door handle to be closed even without using excessive force. And some changes had been made to the cockpit warning light, which inadvertently meant that it didn't light up, even though the door wasn't properly secured. Investigators concluded that the combination of the poorly designed door latch mechanism and the alterations made to the safety systems we just discussed are what caused the cargo door to rip open. But it was the inability of the cabin floor to withstand collapsing during a rapid depressurization that was ultimately responsible for the loss of control of the aircraft and its inevitable crash into the forest outside of Paris. McDonnell Douglas, for one, was under serious fire, considering the loss of the cargo door on American Flight 96 two full years earlier. During construction of the DC-10, they'd used this new latching mechanism, whose possibility of failure was discovered back in 1969, and which actually occurred during a ground test in 1970. So they knew about the risk, but just ignored it. Warnings and recommendations made were unheeded, even after the Flight 96 incident, because there were no casualties there. But of course, the situation was very different with Flight 981. Well, at the time, Boeing had been the leading airplane manufacturer for years, and McDonnell Douglas and Lockheed all wanted a piece of the pie. The McDonnell Douglas DC-10s were rushed to market ahead of Lockheed's L-1011 TriStar, which were meant to fulfill the need for a three-engine plane with three to four hundred seats. The rush to be the first to market with such a plane caused McDonnell Douglas to compromise on quality, which eventually led to this disaster. Aside from this, it was also because they believed it was a small problem with a low probability of occurring. If McDonnell Douglas were to disrupt their delivery schedule by stopping to fix the cargo doors of all their new DC-10s, they would have lost a lot of money. The company attempted to defend itself in court, but eventually seeing that it was a lost cause, they decided to settle out of court for $100 million, which is equivalent to almost $600 million in 2022. That is a lot of money. But then again, how much is a human life worth? After this accident, the company redesigned the locking mechanism to prevent the latches from moving into the wrong position and to prevent the handle from being forced into the closed position without the pins being in place. Changes were ordered to be made to all planes with outward opening doors by the Federal Aviation Administration, or FAA. This included planes made by McDonnell Douglas, including the DC-10, Lockheed, including the L-1011 TriStar, and Boeing, including the 747. 
One of the most notable of these changes is the requirement for vents to be cut into the cabin floor to allow the pressure between the passenger and cargo compartments to equalize in the event of a decompression. This would prevent a collapse of the aircraft cabin floor and other integral structures that could affect the control cables for the engines, rudder, and elevators as seen in the Turkish Airlines Flight 981 accident. If you like this video and want to hear more stories of aviation incidents and accidents, please hit the like and subscribe buttons. Is there an aviation story you'd like us to cover? Leave it in the comment section below and we might just surprise you. Thanks so much for watching and I'll see you on the next Air Scare Stories.